five o'clock. And um, I very much welcome everybody online um, here at our Speed Invest uh, Tech Talk on the topic of B2B sales hacks um, during Corona. Uh, so I'm Marie Lane. I, I am the moderator today and very much looking forward to it. Um, one word about Speed Invest. Uh, we are an early stage venture capital company and uh, investing with a focus to industrial tech startups. Uh, some of our portfolio companies are also today here. So a warm welcome to everyone. Uh, so before we start, just uh, that you understand a little bit the, the, the technical um, capabilities here. We are having uh, in this format uh, of Zoom, the audio is disabled, so you cannot ask questions. However, um, you can, if you look at the frame of, uh, of your Zoom, you have at the very button, a little, uh, at the bottom, a little button which says F&R or Q&A. And uh, so we encourage you very much, please um, send in questions at any time. Um, we will try to um, answer them um, merrily in the second half of, um, of the hour. So um, for, the, for the panelists, your audio is uh, on. So um, just as a quick intro for the ones who joined maybe only now. Um, very happy to have uh, three representatives from different um, stages, let's say. We have Lennart, um, commercial director, who is TWICE. So TWICE is um, about two years old, um, still looking for the product market fit, so representing the younger segment here. We have um, Mark from um, Proglaf, sales director. Um, so Prograph is already uh, much bigger, um, I think more than 200 employees and uh, 500 customers. And um, then there is Otmar. Otmar is a partner with Simon Kucher. And that's an international consulting company. And uh, you are actually um, advise, advising uh, the, the big corporates with more than 100 million uh, in revenue, so that's um, a completely different uh, uh, segment. So, also representing a little bit the target market and, and uh, customers from the startups here. Very happy that you're all here. Thanks a lot. And um, I suggest we we immediately go into the topic. I think. Um, all of us here online are these days um, in a similar situation. We are confronted um, that traditional sales uh, processes are not working anymore. Um, there is no responses. Um, there is budget cuts. There is uncertainty. There is um, customers who approach us and asking for discontinuation of contracts or at least to renegotiate and, and uh, bring prices down. Um, however, I think the biggest threat we are all facing is uncertainty. That's um, the biggest enemy of not being able to judge, you know, what's going to happen tomorrow. Um, how is the situation afterwards and when is afterwards? So my hope is that we address some of these issues um, really hands-on, um, how you, you know, we're facing these situations and let's uh, start with a quick round of that you maybe um, from the panel introduce the nature of your business, but more importantly, how exactly um, COVID-19 did hit you sales-wise or impact you sales-wise. So feel free, Lennart, <laughs> maybe do you want to start? All right, sure. Yeah, let's start. So, I mean, um, you mentioned uh, we're kind of finding the product market fit. I hope we have found an initial one. At least um, uh, one good story that came out of it uh, is that we just raised our Series A right before COVID-19, which was very fortunate on the funding side, a bit unfortunate then on the kind of communication side, which I think was like the first time that I really noticed uh, we kind of running into an interesting time 
Um, so when we look at our product, maybe let's start there to, to kind of put it into perspective. We sell predictive battery analytics, which is um, a software tool that is both being used in the development and in the operation of uh, both mobility and energy. With uh, larger companies we're working with, usually around like six-digit tickets we are aiming for. Uh, not always the case, but we're aiming for this kind of uh, closing uh, closing size. And we, uh, I mean, in this process and closing such deals as such a young company, it's a paramount to really build trust with the client and to, uh, if you do, especially if you don't have like years of experience or years of track record to show that you can do what you uh, promise, they want to believe in the people that stand behind it. So an essential part of our sales was usually to to have the people come to our office, see the facilities, meet the people, and be convinced that this is a legit and professional company. I mean, all of that stopped. And then with Series A, I think this was the one first topic where we saw, okay, this is it's a bit of a crazy situation. You, to some degree, don't want to uh, counteract the uh, uh, messaging of the startup Bundesverband uh, that startups are getting in trouble. So it's kind of a counterintuitive message. At the same time, it's a really important message to your clients that the company is still uh, financially viable and solid. And we actually had great, great success. And then uh, the next step for us was really trying to improve this closing cycle by building trust virtually. And to be honest, I mean, that's a, um, uh, still a work in progress, I'd say. We are now closing clients, but most of these we have met in, in person before COVID-19. And now the thing that I'm seeing, I think was ultimately really important, is to um, replace the meeting in person with videos. And my experience there is actually quite positive. You see uh, companies are actually share, or people in companies actually sharing quite a lot of their personal life there. And it's quite easy to connect to them as well. But at the same time, it really depends on the company segment, some of them obviously having huge troubles and uh, going into short-term labor. And it doesn't really make a lot of sense to pursue those. And then other smaller companies just now have time and it makes a lot of sense to pursue them. I, I could go into further detail. I want to leave some space also for questions. But uh, I think this is another topic that we're kind of addressing now, really segmenting our clients into what makes sense and what doesn't make sense and uh, finding this way of connecting with them through um, video calls instead of just uh, anonymous uh, telephone conferences. But so far, you would say there is no slowdown of your sales conversion rate? Um, I mean, we, we had some very promising um, contracts that were very close to being closed. And then uh, there was um, people saying, okay, now we're in short-term labor, so we cannot discuss it anymore. Let's do it afterwards. And then there were some uh, companies that put every project under review. So now we're kind of facing an, an additional circle where we need to prove that it's valid. The good thing is batteries still a hot topic. E-mobility is still the big topic of tomorrow. Problems don't really go away. They might even be increasing. I mean, there's now talks about changing regulation and easing it a bit. But generally, I think um, it's still a hot topic. So I think it's, it's more being postponed. And some other people are more interested in it. Ultimately, the, the danger here, and you mentioned it, is not knowing what happens tomorrow. I think everyone kind of knows tomorrow is not going to be interesting. But especially what's, what's going on in, in the fall, what's going on next year, and how important are these topics going to be, and how much budget will we have? And if you're talking about this budget size and having annual recurring revenue in this size, um, this is, I think, the bigger problem uh, that we're facing at the moment where there's a lot of uncertainty with regard to such long-term projects. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Mark? Yes. So, um, Proglav, we are now, as Helena already stated in the beginning, more than five years old. So, already have some um, market experience. And we started five years ago mostly in the automotive industry. So we developed um, basically from coming from the idea of smart wearables um, scanner, which is attached to a glove. Um, in the beginning, as we said, most um, strongest or strongest industry was the automotive. And of course, if you look into the automotive right now, we got a hit um, in this area. So no, nothing to, um, yeah, to talk nicely. It's just a hit because um, all of the Projects are under review, so you get basically a whitelist. And if you are not on the whitelist, yeah, you're out. So this is um, um, for all the automotives currently the case. Um, I think that to or what we experience, there is on the other hand a shift to other industries. 
So what we see, if you look, for example, example into e-commerce, um, the the numbers I heard it just today increased by two hundred seventy-five percent in just April. So of course, this is also um, depending on which products are sold. So some products got um, increased by I don't know how many percent, but a lot, and some others decreased. So what we see a lot is we need to refocus on our customer side. So we are currently shifting a lot to um, retail, um, to e-commerce, to logistics. Um, or luckily, we didn't um, only focus on automotive. So the refocusing already started last year. So we have some big brands really also um, still working. So as an example, one of our customers I can also name is Rewe. And Rewe, for example, they invested more in our products in the last month than in one year before. So just one example. So the market is still hot. There are um, customers just investing now because they need to. They need to um, um, hold up the efficiency. They need to get the products um, to their customers. And that's where we are basically um, winning. Of course, we need to refocus. We need to set up our strategies. We also need to move everything digital. So um, that's why I'm, for example, now responsible as an additional team for the inside sales. Um, so we started the inside sales last year, and now we are really pushing to increase this team. And um, because we, of course, see that for the next year, I actually think, or even longer, we will still see that many things will shift to digital. So this will not only be like a short-term effect, but we will travel less. We will have many um, contacts closed on the phone or on video calls. So this is something we have to take into consideration. Can you elaborate a little bit how to get white-labeled? <laughs> What do you mean? <laughs> yes, I can and, try. <laughs> uh, and, and the second question, you said that you are re focusing your segments and, yeah. and trying to find the one that are growing. Yeah. How did you do that? Okay. Um, Whitelisted. So I think the most important thing is to really be relevant. So Leonard already mentioned this. So if you are a, a nice-to-have product, that sounds hard, but you will be kicked. <laughs> so either you are relevant or you make yourself relevant. So you, somehow your customer needs to see that he can't work without you. So all the um, all the projects still running is, for example, in our case, projects where they need scanners. <laughs> they cannot work without scanners. So they need to buy scanners. So these projects will run and also won't stop running. Um, all the projects, they already, for example, we are just an accessory to an, an other scanner. They will just kick us out. So this is always the question. So focus on these projects where you are really relevant, where you also, of course, have the right context within the company. So you should always look very deeply in how good are you stated at the company, how good is basically your, um, yeah, also your status, how, which people do you know? So the normal sales management, and then, of course, focus on the, on the ones where, where you are basically in a better position sales-wise. But the most important thing, be relevant if you just an add-on. Sorry, <laughs> it won't work. And the second question was, how did we refocus? So if you look into, um, so there are a lot of news at the moment, I would say. So you can look actually in the newspapers. You will see, find a lot of segments which are growing at the moment and which are still system relevant, I would call them. And these are the segments we are currently booming in. Um, so I would look into this. And I also would um, think about countries that most probably will come out of the crisis faster and also in a better shape. So for us, this means, um, for example, focusing on UK, Germany, um, North America, not so much focusing on Italy, um, Spain, because of yeah, all of us might see or see that these will be the countries struggling a lot longer, even though we don't know what happens when, um, I don't know, specific measure, uh, specific um, projects starts within the countries to um, stabilize the economy. We never know. Super. Thanks a lot. Very insightful. Um, 
Otma, um, what do you tell your clients how they should face the crisis, what, to counter fight the crisis? Um, yeah, maybe, but just a short remark. Um, so, so as Marie-Lene already said, we're, we're advising probably your customers or the customers mm -hmm. of, of the customers of most of you. Um, I'm personally responsible for the Austrian B2B industrial business. And um, what we advise our companies and our customers um, is very much depending on in which industry they are. And I mean, we already heard it from Mark, um, focus on different industries. There's industries that are very much uh, impacted by, by COVID-19, by the current crisis and others that are not. Um, I mean, if you look to Medtech, um, they're booming. If you look to packaging, most of them are booming. Um, automotive, exactly as you said, automotive suppliers, they were struggling before. So it's, it's not, it's not change uh, or maybe even more severe during the crisis. And then there are industries like, like machinery or components where it really depends on, on which, let's say, value chain they are in. And, and the thing what we are advising is um, um, basically um, to see this crisis not as, as one hit, but to see it as, as an acceleration of current trends, of trends that have been there. And we already heard this um, a few times um, today. It's, it's a trend towards uh, digitalization, towards new technologies. And this trend is just accelerated by, by, by COVID, right? So everybody is getting used to talking via Zoom, doing workshops via Zoom, um, doing remote maintenance and so on and so forth. So um, we, we tell basically our clients, look, you have to um, now start um, pushing for these innovations. Um, and, and on, let's say, our core competence, where, where we are strong on the top line stuff, so everything around sales, pricing, and so on and so forth, um, we advise our clients um, to, to very much look at your customer journey. So um, really to look at how is your industry affected, how are your customers affected. Um, also what we already heard from Leonard and Mark, um, look at uh, which countries, industries, customers are coming out as winners out of the crisis and focus on that. And um, there, uh, I mean, today's, today's topic is um, sales hacks, right? I mean, an easy hack is, um, usually everybody or every of our client has a customer segmentation and there is like, like by size or by potential or whatever it is, right? And then what we currently advise them, look also at um, payment behavior, right? This is a client that pays on time. If not, then probably he's struggling in the crisis and, and the question is whether he's afterwards even there, right? Um, so so, so to, to enforce um, this thinking of who is the winner in, in six, 12 months to come and, and did you set on the right horses? But would you really say, I mean, it's, it's nice that you're consulting them and advising them to invest into digital <laughs> products, but, um, you know, wouldn't you say that COVID-19 clearly has an impact on the, on the buying behavior and that they simply also, uh, as one of the first topics, you know, take off from the from the priority list um, all kind of innovation topics that are not a must-have? Um, again, um, I would say this depends on how severely you're struck by the crisis. If you're in total cash problems and you don't have any cash, right, you must, you must um, 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 save your company's uh, uh, survival, then obviously you may be, you may be back, back down on, on future innovations. But um, research shows if you look into the, into the past crisis that companies made huge leaps um, when they focused on innovative stuff. I mean, there's, there's an example of, for example, Starbucks, right? Um, and during the last crisis, they, they really struggled. Then they changed their sales model from, from having their own stores to a licensing model. And, and they, they went out of this crisis on top. Um, there is Hyundai, for example. They had um, struggles in last crisis. Then they changed to a more service-oriented um, um, sales model. They pushed service contracts. Um, and then they went on top. And I mean, these are innovations on, let's say, the sales side or on your offering side. Uh, but I think also that if you as, um, as an industrial company don't focus on getting now, um, let's say to, let's stay on, on how you do sales with your customers on, let's say using online channels, uh, you're lost and you're, 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 getting, you're getting left left behind by your competitors. Um, there's another example, I'm working for a, 
um, a wholesale customer in Austria, and um, he is very, very far with his online shop. And this just made a huge difference because all his shops were closed. Nobody could buy from him. If he wouldn't have had um, his online shop um, already in place, um, he, he would have had um, severe losses. And now he has a huge um, information um, and, and leap compared to his competition because he knows um, which products are selling online, which customers are buying online, how do we have to approach them, and so on and so forth. So um, we, we definitely advised him to, to now rethink your, let's say, B2B uh, sales operating model um, more than even before. May I add one thing, Marie, Helen? Um, so what we also saw, basically, we have a customer, um, a little bit similar. They basically found out over the last years that they got stuck on the digitalization. So what they, what they did is basically they tried to move online with their products to also sell them online. It's one of the biggest furniture houses worldwide. <laughs> um, I won't say anymore, but I think everyone can imagine. And they saw that Amazon, for example, is going ahead, that they are losing on this. And they are now investing so much money into digitalizing their retail centers to basically not only fulfill on the spot, but to um, basically fulfill online orders from their retail centers to ship them directly. And they are investing a lot of money into this. So, yes, the customers change, but they are still there and they need to invest. I mean, how I... I think it's it's easy on the obvious things probably mm -hmm. you know what what how can you now sell digitally online and so on um, but it's not so easy to understand also you know many of our startups industrial tech startups they are more helping to become more efficient to produce more efficient maybe supply chain um, improvements etc so that's maybe not core for this very moment in the crisis But how can startups assess now in which way the customer's priority might shift post-corona? So will these cost efficiency issues, for example, be relevant, more relevant than before corona? But, uh, for example, exactly with regard to this topic, if you're a startup looking into pr production optimization, efficiency optimization, um, even before Corona, there was a trend towards deglobalization, right? So we have the Brexit, we have Trump, and so on and so forth, right? So Corona will also, um, in my opinion, um, um, accelerate the trend of deglobalization, um, getting away from production sites only in Asia, where we have um, cheaper labor source and so on and so forth. And then there's the trend towards um, more automation um, in production, getting more efficient, right? And this is a trend that goes hand in hand. So if you want to relocate your production to, let's say, countries where it's more secure or where you have it more in your hand, um, then you have to invest into production efficiency in order to do so and make up for the, for the higher labor costs. So, so I would say there's definitely also um, a possibility to, to, to segment the right customers and markets uh, for startups that are going into this, in this direction And, and this will hit other companies more than, than, um, than, than, than others in, in, in different industries. Yeah. Um, maybe uh, let's move a little bit to existing clients and how, you know, <laughs> what to do with them. So maybe, Mark, what, what are you doing when a customer is now delaying payments, um, Maybe asking for price reductions. Would you would you buy in or or counterfeit? <laughs> I think we are in a little different situation than um, most startups in an earlier stage, um, because um, what we we have basically mostly Fortune 500 customers. So our customers are big corporates, and we don't see at the current moment really delays in the payments or not any more delays than we. Um, see in other times as well. So from the payment point of view, we don't have this big of problems. What I see and what we um, talk also with our customers is rather different payment models, I would call it. So what our customers um, um, want or what they expect is rather than doing investment, 
So in the past, um, for example, if you look into automotive, they mostly just invested stuff. So um, they, there was no problem to invest 500,000 in new scanners. Um, you just do it uh, once, one-time project, no problem at all. At the current state, of course, none of them is, is able to invest these amounts or these sums. So what we do is basically offer leasing service models where they can basically just um, rent the stuff and pay it over time. So this is something which will definitely be more relevant in the future than it's currently. Um, and of course, what we also did in the past, we had, um, I would say, normal problems with um, payments delaying. So what you can always do is there are special banks which offer basically um, that they finance <laughs> the, um, that you can basically sell your um, um yeah, sell the orders you already got. So these are things you can always do. You will just lose on some percentages. So um, these are things you can always do. Yeah. But for us, currently not really relevant. Unfortunately, I think my audio is... <laughs> are you hearing me? Yes. yes we're hearing you. <laughs> uh, okay, my audio, unfortunately, is jumping. Um, um, Otmar, as you are also on the pricing uh, side, um, quite experienced. So, any any really hands-on tips on how to face such requests? And would you would you also recommend you know to keep a customer contract at each price, even if you maybe discontinue charging him for a couple of months? Mm -hmm. um, so so. I think Mark already mentioned some some good ideas. First, don't give in right away. We always say defend prices with tools and tail, right? So so um, 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 if you're if you're if you're a valued product, as Mark said, then they need you, and and then it's not that easy to exchange, right? So that's the first thing. Um, if you if you give price um, reductions, always try to get something back. Uh, so if we talk about a price reduction, they tell you, look, I have to cut 10% on budget, blah, 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 blah. Then try to get something back like, okay, then let's prolong the, con the contract duration or um, let's um, introduce me to uh, these and these of your data companies or whatever it is, right? So very hands-on stuff. And this, this sounds so, so stupidly easy, but believe me, all my big clients don't do it. We call this <laughs> concession matrix, right? Think about what's, or let's say, what bargaining chips do you have, um, how much they are worth to you, and how much they're worth to your client. And then, then you start this conversation on price in a prepared way, and you say, look, I can't go on price, but I can give you this if you can give me that, and so on and so forth. And there could also be something that is much better than a price reduction, like a prolongation of the, the payment period, or like what you said, Marie-Lane, that, that you say, okay, look, you can pay one month later or whatever it is, right? So, um, because um, we as, let's say, the, the, the pricing consultancy, we do this in 35 years. If you have given a price reduction, even in crisis times, it sticks. Getting away from that is super, super hard, right? And in addition to what I mentioned uh, before, if you have to give price reductions, so if, if you don't have any concessions to, to bargain with, think about how you can change your offer. Think about how to shape an alternative so that you don't give a price reduction on your current offering, but on, let's say, a stripped-down offering, where you say, look, okay, then you get the, um, you get the remote um, um, maintenance, but you don't get this, this, this service, or you don't get 24 hours, whatever, um, um, and questioning and so on and so forth, right? So that you don't um, um, basically affect your the current price point of your current offering. Um, second, think about new price models, right? I mean, you you in the startup world, uh, mostly software or a lot of software-based companies, you also think about OPEX-driven price models, right? Subscription fees and so on and so forth. In, in my world or in my client's world, this is something super new, right? So everybody now wants to go from CAPEX to OPEX models and so on and so forth. And, and this, is, this is definitely a possibility right now. If a, if a client of you has um, cash problems, then say, okay, let's, let's switch to an 
So an OPEX model, of course, if you can afford, because it also means um, um, a different cash situation for you. And, and these are maybe some 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 hacks or some tips that you that you can think of. Um, but uh, yeah, again, it's it's preparation. Um, you have to be prepared currently that customers are going to ask for longer payment terms or or, or discounts. Think about how you can how you can um, counter argue this and, and don't give in on a on a just a mere price reduction. Yeah, perhaps. Thanks. Also, mm -hmm. if you have a customer really interesting and also interesting in this current period of time and he asked for price reductions, what I did a lot in the past, I asked them, okay, I can give a price reduction, but I want your name. I want a marketing story. These are things you can perfectly use in this time because then you already got the one customer who still, for example, is, is booming, is still investing, and you can get basically all his competitors by posting these stories. So this is always a good thing to say, okay, I can give you five more percents, but I need your name on my homepage or something else. Super. Thanks a lot. Um, Lennart, um, I mean, you are more or less in a solution business, project business. I mean, you have big um, accounts um, that very much rely usually on personal, you know, connection and networking. Um, how how do you adapt to selling now a product remote only? Is this possible without a demo, a live demo? I mean, the good thing is we have a digital uh, business or product, so we can showcase it even uh, through Zoom or uh, Microsoft Teams or whatever. I think uh, what you mentioned first is is the ultimately the key is uh, how do you build the the trust? How do you get to really engage with your clients and don't have that? quite anonymous phone call that you'd usually have. Um, I think, I mean, I elaborated on that a bit, but one specific example or two specific examples with two clients of ours where it really completely changed the mood. We had um, numerous, actually before Corona, no one did the, the video conferencing uh, a lot with, with clients. So we had used to have phone calls and it is always very professional and you always uh, are very formal with each other and Turning on that video actually kind of removes that because you're immediately in the personal sphere of the other person. And it, uh, I feel that it really helps opening up and you feel, okay, I mean, everyone's sharing the same situation and it actually enables you to connect a lot better with your clients and really discuss these topics. But it's obviously a lot more difficult and everyone sees that, I think, not only in sales, but also in other creative sessions that you cannot really be creative or work on the same topic effectively or efficiently through a video conferencing tool. So that's really something where you lose a lot of traction. And I mean, this is also only focusing the clients where you're quite advanced, I'd say, or even have closed them where you're working with them on your product to improve the solutions uh, or the software to enable better use and so on. But if you look at, and I feel that's for us uh, currently the, the hardest part, the, the not so much the new customers who are coming to us since Corona because they're kind of in the in the process now and they're interested. But the ones where we kicked off initial discussions and they're kind of stuck somewhere where we haven't quite figured out or we, we know what we want to sell to them, but it's not quite nailed down yet. And it's in this in-between where you get to know each other better, where we feel we have the, the biggest challenge of uh, progressing these. So, I mean, we, we discussed at the beginning and I see there was a question from Elisa as well with regard to segmenting your customers. Obviously, we are mostly in mobility and energy energy not being impacted at all really and just keeping on going as business as usual but the mobility sector especially the automotive sector obviously being severely impacted other sectors less so maybe but it's, it's difficult for us to really shift away from completely or saying okay more general trends like digitalization helps so for us it really means also to, to take a look at the sales funnel to take a look at these companies where it makes a lot of sense. And we feel like we uh, obviously must focus on the center part of the sales funnel to, to ensure that we have the business in the summer. But then also, especially, and that's kind of answering Elisa's question, I feel like some of the big corporates really went in uh, quite heavily, especially on the lower ranks to send them into home office or uh, short-term labor, quite a lot of them. So they are now fully booked our usual kind of points of contact are now uh, fully utilized for their day-to-day -day business, not so much for innovation topics. So these larger clients kind of f fall out of it a bit or are on hold. And especially because they just 
put all budgets on 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 hold and are waiting uh, what will come after it. But quite a lot of the companies that are more where we also speak to more senior people, right? The, the CEO or the, the owner of the, of the business uh, or one, one layer below where the people are now seeing, okay, their customers are not really buying. So they free up a bit more space and they're actually actively driving this topic. And I think all the other people that we cannot really interact with directly now, it's the key topic to still entertain them. So to keep them informed, be it through press releases, be it through active campaigns. So to be at the top of their mind when they come back out of this uh, kind of winter sleep, it feels like they're all in shock at the moment. So when they come back and they uh, uh, unfreeze and uh, they become active, that they immediately uh, remember, okay, this is twice. We want to work with them and uh, get going. That's why, for example, our like two big announcements in the recent weeks, so our Series A and also a cooperation with Munich Re actually took off quite well. And there was a big discussion beforehand. And uh, I mean, Munich Re was pointing towards the energy sector and quite a lot of these actually said, look, it's the perfect time to raise awareness because everyone is sitting at home. Most of these people actually have a lot of time because they cannot do an awful lot. And they, while well, they read, if they're interested in what they're doing, they usually read the the um, the, the right newspapers, the uh, subject magazines, and then they read about such stories, and that triggers their interest. And as long as you are available to these people, it really helps you in uh, filling up this funnel and then getting going afterwards. At least that's what we're hoping for. Obviously, we don't know yet. No, but I think this is a very valid question because uh, we have a lot of these discussions. Are you going now out PR-wise um, or are the journalists eaten so much up with COVID that um, they are not, you know, they don't even pick up your topic? Um, and um, actually, we made a, a similar uh, experience to yours just that, yes, it makes sense because um, if you have a relevant topic, there is people... Um, that uh, that we write about, and there is more time um, on the recipient side to to read about it. But um, yeah, yeah, I think it's the, it, it's harder to get it out there. I think that's yeah. uh, that's the one point, and um, we noticed that the Munich Re Corporation should just take that specific example. Um, Munich Re pushed that to Süddeutsche Zeitung, which is a great medium to publish something like that. But it left us virtually 24 hours or even 12 hours before the publication to then contact other newsletters, which was too short notice and it meant that the the big news came out in, in a fairly limited scope it is now being followed up by uh by niche magazines but it didn't really take off such as the series a where we had time we took a week to really contact all the big newspapers and had to work through all the journalists and i think this is even more important now than it is usually. I mean, it's always important, but now to feel how the newspapers are setting their priorities and where you find that spot to place your messaging because that seems to be, I mean, now Corona is really covering everything and you need to find that one spot where, where you can actually make a difference. Super. Um, so, I mean, is, is it a good time for brand building and building up trust, which, what, what, what did you say? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's always a good time to do that, I think. And typically now where quite a lot is in question, anything that you can bring out there that creates trust in you, be it funding, be it something like a big corporate partner, be it new customers where you see, okay, this business is still running. And especially when you see the news uh, of cash constraints for quite a lot of companies, this is, I think it's an important messaging, especially since I think at least for us, if uh, companies are investing in our product, they're not so much investing in the next two months they want to have a partner that supports them for a couple of years. Uh, I mean, our topic is usually extending the lifetime of a battery, which is 10 years. So you you would want a company that uh, really accompanies you along that process. So I think the signaling is incredibly important. And I think now is the time when people are actually uh, listening and seeing what's going on. So very hands-on, um, that's a question from, from, from uh, the audience here. Now that cold mailing seems to be finally dead, how are you building up your leads? What are you, you know, actually really doing in order to get new leads in? Um, well, sorry, can you repeat the question? I didn't... That cold mailing seems to be uh, finally dead. How are you building up your leads? So we are basically... Um, so it's not cold mailing, but we are going actually a lot digital. So what we see is that uh, marketing will in the future only fulfill a, 
a lower percentage actually of the leads we are getting. So we in sales um, need to make sure to get these leads in the future. So what we are doing, we are really building prospect lists. So this is one of my main tasks I'm working on for, um, I don't know how many hours a day, um, really building good prospect lists. We, um, I have some um, software I use for that. I, anyone interested in it more, I can share afterwards, but we're really building prospect lists. And then I have this business development web team that is really going into calling. So people are still um, open to receive calls, are still open to discuss if you really bring them a value. Um, and I think that's still something we have to do because everyone is currently addressing digitally um, through LinkedIn, through, I don't know, um, online channels. So the question is, where do you make the difference? And I think direct contact with the customer is still necessary. And of course, beforehand segment the right industries. So if you don't segment and call the wrong people, then you will lose a lot of traction. Maybe uh, two so thoughts on that. Um, um, I agree with Mark. The question is whether, whether cold um, mailing or getting new customers is now easy. Um, we, for example, also advise our clients, look at your lost deals, look at your lost customers, right? You already had contact to. Usually, usually you, you tend to, to see them lost and you don't, you don't uh, call them anymore. Just, just uh, call them up, um, see it not as hard selling, but see it as, um, um, look, how is it going? How do you see the crisis? How is it... Um, 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 affecting your business and so on and so forth. Um, at least for my clients, this is super important because, I mean, they have their CRM systems and so on and so forth, so they have that. Um, and this could this could be um, a good topic. And then, um, fully agree, think about um, new innovative ways, channels, how you could sell. Because I always say now is not the time to hard sell. It's rather the time to be a partner, to, to, to soft sell. Um, we, for example, we have also clients that, that just informed us that they're doing um, a virtual um, uh, a virtual trade fair, right? So, so um, you have two days where you can ask them about their new products and you can dial in and talk to people. And, and maybe this is also a, a, a possibility that you could do, um, let's say, under the Speed Invest umbrella to, to have a trade fair of all the startups and then you could dial in there and then do something like that. So, so there are ways, I think, um, that you can yeah. be creative and also focus on. We have one startup that um, actually sent a newsletter two days after the lockdown in the hospitality industry to all their prospects that they ever had in the CRM database. And they had 80%, um, so only 20% unsubscription rate. So 80% are really now, even two months later, um, and then half of it, so which is much more opening also um, the email and reading through the newsletter. And I think this is really a way how you can be relevant because all of them, they, they give advice and uh, organize webinars and so on for the, this target segment, this relevant segment um, to stay top of mind and, and build also up trust as a, as a, as a partner for the future. Um, excellent. We have, we have a lot of also um, questions received and we will not be able to answer all of them, but um, I'll, I'll read out some. How do you keep motivating your sales teams when targets are difficult, impossible to reach and customers are reluctant to engage, especially um, for the ones that do cold calling? True. Very frustrating job these days. Well, we have a very small sales team and it's uh, very much intrinsically motivated. So I don't think it's a big problem for us. So I, I would hand over the question to the rest of the team. But uh, I think generally um, we do get still get the responses. So it's, it's not too hard actually at the moment. I would say, I think one thing that Otmar said is very important for me. It's currently a time of soft selling. So it's rather engaging with the customer, also being there building relationships and I also see I have to admit we won't close most of the deals in the next days um, the it will postpone a, a little but I think if we are still relevant um, and if we reach the right um, people we are yeah, we can still make a difference how do we motivate them I think the um, one thing is 
to really be motivated ourselves. <laughs> that's really something um, that's one of the um, hardest things also to do. Um, and what I feel is um, we did a lot of things in the past two months because I'm already in home office for two months to meet up more often, to have more ins inside the company sharing on, for example, how our best sales practices, how can we improve our processes. So a lot of things that are also coming from an internal view so that when you go out again or more in one month, when you really start, um, everything starts reopening that you are really ready to, to um, kick off. And I think these um, internal processes or these internal projects also motivated people to get better. So um, I think in the end, it's being very close to your, to your people, um, talking to them, also understanding them. I think it's not always easy for all of us. So um, really being there and um, trying, trying to um, give them also a view and also to give them new tasks where they can really make a difference. I, think I can, I can fully, fully support what Mark said. Um, now it's time to get even closer to your teams, right, and to engage with them even closer. Um, I, for example, I, I'm currently doing a couple of let's say internal webinars for sales teams um, of my clients, and um, it's not it's not selling consulting projects. It's it's rather um, I and the sales <coughs> manager do together a webinar. Um, he, he shows some numbers, how they're doing, how the outlook is. Um, I talk about some tips and tricks. Then we have another sales guy joining in and he talks about best practices and so on and so forth. So things like that, of course, it depends on, on your size. If you're a team of four salespeople, then you maybe don't need that. But what you also should focus on is um, that you share the best practices and that you focus on things like virtual beer bus and stuff. I mean, it sounds, it sounds uh, silly, but it's super important to keep keep everybody close. And maybe one element you could think of because incentivation is, is a word that was that was mentioned. Um, yes, a lot of them maybe don't reach their sales targets and so on and so forth. Think about um, creating um, um, sales competitions, right? So, so that, that, I don't know, the first lead that gets in via whatever it is, right? And, and then there's a little price for um, for for him or her, something like that. Aside, right, where you can incentivize um, new ways of working, um, which is not typically then uh, incorporated in the, in, the, in the sales incentive scheme. We also just actually for the whole company, we sent packages for Easter. Just a, um, a very small gift actually for everyone, and this is not sales specific, but this drove really the motivation and people get engaged with each other. So we, for example, also start with a project that's called, um, we basically have values inside our companies or inside our company. And we say, we vote on one person living the value the best in the last period. And like this, we engage people also digitally. I mean, I feel like if we're expanding it to really keeping everything together and keeping everyone aligned and on the same target, I think this is incredibly important. And I'm very happy that we started kind of bringing in a lot of processes into the company uh, late last year. So we, I was quite afraid, actually, when we moved completely digital and virtual. And it turned out it, it works completely fine. And uh, feeling-wise, the entire company really grew together. And it's, I think that the one topic that is still important, at least for us, and we were talking about this product market fit. I mean, we have a big technology department where a lot of battery engineers sit and we have uh, the people that go out and talk to the clients. And usually they meet at a dartboard or at the coffee machine. Now they don't. And I think this is the, the, the one challenge that we, we as twice must face or did face, and I think we're quite successful at it, is, is to still keep the entire company together and to ensure that information sharing across uh, across the teams and uh, within the teams, I think uh, the alignment is quite fine, but then to really get everyone on board and make sure that the priorities are clear, that the current initiatives are clear and that the customer feedback still makes its way, its way into the product. Perfect. Thanks a lot. Um, I'd like, uh, I, I would need the contribution of everyone now. Um, so we would love to do a small poll with you. Um, actually, 
getting your judgment on the business climate out there and how the future you believe would look like. Um, so while this poll is going on, it should pop up uh, on your screen so you can you can vote there. Um, I'd uh, love to ask Otmar, um, as this is something uh, we were inspired by your survey, um, to give us a little insight on, uh, as you are doing this um, continuously with uh, a lot of companies, uh, what were the results so far? I'm, I'm happy to. Um, okay. question is whether I should do it now or no. after. <laughs> Okay, then maybe we bias we, them or <laughs> <laughs> we give them a second. Um, maybe in uh, meanwhile, we can on individual basis mark um, go a little bit through the questions. Um, so one is how much do you see your sales affected in 2020 compared mm -hmm. to 2019? Mm -hmm. um, is it going up, down? So and by how much? Yeah. Um, so you basically you need to know that we are planning to grow this year compared to last year by again 100 percent um, so of course we are going up <laughs> because we need to it's also I mean startup business so we need to get up um, we, we I would say we have a good management so what we did um, basically in the beginning or actually also last year already we um, bet on different horses um so we have some strategic projects going on um which big numbers behind it we have the normal sales running in north america running in emea um so from our point of view to be honest we are still forecasting a record quarter for this quarter um as we see a lot of customers still moving still as i said increasing even the pace so for us, it's rather shifting, moving into the right verticals, being very fast on that. And then we see it rather sunny. <laughs> um, still, of course, we got hit in some um, of our core industries. Great. Thanks a lot. Um, maybe, Leonard, how, how quickly do you think um, you're going to reach again 2019 sales? Figures. Ah, we already. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's actually the, the funny story is if you ask these to startups, is I think what Mark is saying. Uh, usually, you still want to, or at least for us, like tenfold your revenue, or at least double it or triple it. And uh, I mean, Twice just closed one of its biggest deals, or actually the biggest deal in 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 our short history. So. Uh, I hope we don't. We'll never return to 2019 levels from a company perspective. Talking more generally, I think it's very difficult to say, and it's a bit crystal ball reading, and also what that means for customer budgets, and whether. And we talked about that. It will not accelerate certain processes so that uh, our client base will probably change its uh, shape dramatically. But I would think that we'll see a very quick rebound after the crisis, especially with regards to topics like e-mobility where ultimately the future lies. And I think this is something that all of the uh, clients of ours still believe in. And um, some of our clients just keep on buying and they don't show any any uh, kind of exhaustion. And others, I think, will pick up quickly, a month, probably six months after the end of the crisis. So um, let's see if this goes in line with um, our audience here. Um, so we have... Um, on question one, so 60% so far has responded. Um, how do you assess the current business weather outlook? Mixed, 44% is the top result, followed by cloudy, 27%. Um, super, super pessimistic is only thunderstorm, 2%. Um, so plus 25%, actually. How much do you see your sales affected, 2020 to 2019? 29, almost 30% say it will be one quarter more, plus 25%, 22% uh, stable, and 18% uh, minus 25%. So that's pretty um, equal, I would say, in these three categories. And um, how fast do you see sales business recovering? Uh, Majority is uh, between six and 12 months, almost uh, more than 50%. So, uh, Otma, does this go in line with the 
the traditional industry, how they see the traditional companies, corporates? I think, I think as expected, it's, it's a little bit more on the sunny side. Um, um, the, the, the business weather outlook is somewhat similar. Interestingly, um, we, we ask this question every two weeks. So we do every two weeks um, some, some um, online conferences on various topics. And when we asked it six weeks ago, um, um, right, right when the crisis hit, it was cloudy was the majority. Uh, so there were like 50% um, sort of no, even rainy and 30% uh, cloudy. Uh, so, so quite bad outlook. This now bettered. Uh, so now the peak is at cloudy for, for most of them. Um, but um, we also saw that um, this has to do with how they see the crisis affecting themselves. Um, if you look at your numbers here, like 50% plus, 25% plus, obviously in the in the in the classical industries, there's not many companies that that could hope for that. Um, we saw a big hits, uh, most of them of 25% minus. Um, only a few with 50% minus, but 25 was the peak. Then 10% um, um, the second second largest, and now we see that they they see a smaller hit. So the majority is at the 10% minus hit, um, but they see a low a slower recovery. Um, when we asked them six weeks ago, they were also on a six-month period where they thought um, the business has recovered. Um, now it's rather 12 months uh, for the majority of them. So this is what we see. This also was the trend shows it's, it's going to be rather a, a slower recovery and a lesser big hit uh, for most of them. Did you segment? Did you somehow uh, put it in different segments, the, the verticals? Is there verticals? I don't know. That would be interesting, actually. Yeah. Cool. Thank you very much. Um, maybe to the last minutes that we're going to uh, use to answer some more questions. So actually one. <laughs> um, there is two which are similar. Um, about should we use this time to offer extended trials of SaaS products now that decisions are postponed? Um, and or push harder to try free SaaS products. Now people have time at home. So, I mean, this is always very tricky to offer something for free, but uh, it might, you know, help to land somewhere and then expand from there. Right, depends on the product. Uh, I mean, for us, it's it's impossible to offer something meaning, meaningful for free um, because we, we need to calibrate our software to each specific case. Um, so this is for us, I, I wouldn't believe a solution. It would be more pointing towards educating the people whilst they're, they're not so much offering free solutions. So would we go a little into this direction? For us, it's of course not software, it's rather hardware as we are rather... Um, hardware focused, but what we do, we basically rent our material for a longer period of time free of charge. Um, what we also do, we rent the material basically or we shift, send it to their homes. So often the IT is still working from home office, so we just send it to their homes, they test everything in home office, and then when they come back, they basically implement it. So this is still something I would be creative, and as a startup, we always charged so there was nothing, nothing free of charge in these times. I would sometimes make a fund, but as Otmar stated in the beginning, always get something back. Never do it just because um, you want to do it because you will lose on that. <laughs> Excellent. So um, in the end, I would... Uh, First, thank everybody for, for the participation, um, especially here to the panelists. So, Mark from ProGlove, thanks a lot. Otmar um, from Simon Kuka and Leonard from Twice. Um, we will post also um, the recorded version of this hour online um, and also summarize the main important findings so that uh, this is also then afterwards available. I will try also to cover up there some of the other Q&As that, that we received and we're not capable now to answer. Um, so in the end, uh, 
uh, I think uh, some highlights that I wrote down was um, focus on the winners, <laughs> be top of the mind, um, and uh, stay engaged with customers and prospects and make yourself relevant. Um, I think it was a lot of uh, insights. Thank you very much and uh, happy sales, happy selling. <laughs> Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank Bye. You. Thanks.